hello and welcome to the podcast. I am your co-host Karen and I have a very special co-host with me today, my friend Elizabeth Mabry, who I do Aussie Rescue work with and who is a resident of Washington, D.C. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You know, um, whenever we have friends stay with us, I always tell Boomer and Poppy that we have a special guest walker. And um, typically it's our friend Allison who visits us quite often and is a big podcast listener. So you're kind of like our special guest walker. You're our special guest co-host today. And it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Love it. Thank you again. Um, One of the reasons why I'm excited that you're with us today, Elizabeth, is because our friend Sandy Modell is our guest. And Sandy, who, if you listen to the podcast, um, did our very first episode. She is a trainer and a board member with the Association of Professional Dog Trainers. She is the founder of Holistic Hound Academy, and she is also the founder of the very first dog park in Northern Virginia. And today's conversation is about dog parks. So welcome, Sandy. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is something that um, the Association of Professional Dog Trainers just did a post on, and I thought it was really interesting. And both Elizabeth and I have utilized dog parks. Um, You know, there was a time when I couldn't live without a dog park. Boomer loved going to the dog park. Poppy did for about a year, but uh, we realized, you know, that maybe the dog park wasn't such a great place for Poppy. Elizabeth, I know you've gone to a lot of dog parks in D.C. I have, and we certainly utilize dog parks, but for us in D.C., it's been more of a weekday, lunch break, not a peak time. And actually, usually it's my husband who takes our dog. I think for the same reasons that you've experienced with Poppy, we are not able to utilize the dog park during peak hours, for example, on weekends and after work, because our dog, um, as with many herding breeds, struggles with reactivity, both in terms of leashes and barriers. And so even though she's a very friendly dog and loves to play and run and chase with other dogs, as as you've seen, Karen, Um, sometimes the entrance into the park, if there's too much going on, too much stimuli can be a little bit difficult uh, for her. But I think, you know, with training and Sandy will appreciate this, you have a lot of tools in your tool belts. And so I think the way that we view dog parks with respect to our dog's exercise needs is it's just one tool in our tool belt to make sure her needs are met. That's a great point, Elizabeth. Sandy, you want to start off just talking about the good? Let's start on a positive. What's what's the good part about the dog park? I mean, Elizabeth and I have both utilized them. I know that you've utilized them. I mean, you started ours here in Alexandria. So what's the good about a dog park? Well, if I can just take us back a few years, um, 20, 28 years or so, there was a concept uh, that, that sprung up of course, first in California, a fenced-in area where people can take their dogs off leash and dogs could run and play and neighbors could socialize. And it would be uh, just a a utopia place that people could go to. And um, I heard about that uh, when I was up at Camp Gone to the Dogs from a woman from California who gave a little presentation on it. And I got uh, perked up by the idea of dog parks. 
Um, we didn't have any here in Virginia. In fact, there wasn't really any on the whole uh, Northeast. There was one being built when I, when I started researching it down in Coral Springs, Florida, but none certainly in Northern Virginia. So I wound up getting on the um, committee for the, for the uh, Simpson Park Revitalization Master Plan Task Force or something like that. And, um, and I proposed the dog park. And nobody really understood what that was. Um, the the um, representative from the parks thought that we were looking at something 12 by 6, uh, <laughs> like and a this run. Is within, this is within the city of Alexandria. And Alexandria is a very dense area. We've got very little green space here. Right. And, it, and it's uh, more dense today than it was 26, 7, 8 years ago. Uh, so somehow I convinced the committee that it would be a good idea. And I laid out a plan that that gave us a half an acre. Um, and lo and behold, it got included in the city's master plan. I don't think this could ever happen again today like this. And it was built. And um, people and dogs started coming to it. And it was not very crowded. Uh, the same people and dogs sort of came in around the same times, uh, which is a good thing about dog parks. It's uh, familiar dogs playing together. Bad is unfamiliar dogs playing together. That's one of the problems. But um, we had a great time. My dog was you know, born and raised in the dog park and loved it. Uh, I also served on the city's master plan committee to create the master plan for the dog park. And they took my uh, insight and recommendations in terms of how many dogs could come in with one handler. Uh, what happened fairly soon after we opened was that dog walkers were bringing truckloads of dogs at noontime. Uh, into the dog park. FYI, they still are. They still are, yes. Uh, but there is supposedly, uh, by law, a limit of three dogs per handler. Um, and so one of the, the things that makes that important and, and, um, and leads to having a good dog park experience is that the handler is, is watching the dog's behavior in the dog park, its interactions with other dogs, its interactions with people. There's a number of uh, well, we'll talk about, you know, red alert behaviors uh, when we talk about the bad. But yes, dog parks ha have a place, obviously, in our society today. But the good side of dog parks is when when there's small, uh, small numbers of people and dogs. It's when you have a group of 30 dogs running uh, crazy in a dog park, high, high arousal is not good. But there's there are times and places where dog parks have really helped dogs get out some energy interact with other dogs that are also friendly. I think one of the other misnomers about dog parks is it's a place to bring dogs to teach them how to socialize with other dogs. And that's where some of the big problems have been created. The, the concept of dog parks was a place for friendly dogs <laughs> to come and interact, but it hasn't really totally been that over the years. So I was very proud to be the, the founder of D-Dog, Delray Dogs. And um, we, we had a group that maintained the park. And I think that's a really important point that if the park isn't maintained by either the jurisdiction or the users, it will be really, really unsafe and, um, and could lead to uh, disease and other things that um, can be found in a place where lots and lots of dogs run around. And of course, people picking up after their dog is critical. Um, so that's the good, that's my good, the good side of, of dog parks. I just know with Boomer, Boomer loved the dog park. Um, he got along with everyone. And as an Aussie, he needed a place to run. 
And as we've mentioned before, we live in an urban area. We don't have a large yard. We have a small little city side yard. So the dog park was wonderful for Boomer where he could run and stretch his legs. And he's a very social, friendly dog. He pretty much liked everyone with the exception of a chow or two. So the dog park in his younger years was, I think, vital for his exercise. And we would still hike on weekends and you know, we had our Aussie meetup, but that morning run, you know, really, he loved it and would drag me to the dog park to go see all of his friends and just kind of run it out. So I think for a lot of people that live in urban areas that don't have that space where a dog, there's nothing more joyful than a happy running dog. You know, they really do present an option for us that, you know, if you don't have a large fenced in yard. And I was just going to say, Sandy, you mentioned that the idea is that a dog park provides an opportunity for friendly dogs. Something that I've always thought was interesting, especially from a training perspective, is the continuum in terms of dog friendly. Um, There's actually a graphic that we've shared in our Australian Shepherds of the DMV group, and it talks about how you have kind of a small number of dogs who are dog aggressive and a small number of dogs that are truly dog friendly, love every dogs, but the vast majority of dogs fall somewhere in a continuum of dog selective. And to me, that's always been very interesting in dog parks. And really the way in which we've handled that is when we go to dog parks, um, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes our dog is not, her best self. Um, They're just like people, they have good days and and bad days. And if that's the case, then, um, you know, we leave and she's gotten a nice joy ride in the car. Um, So just wondering if if you can kind of talk about that from from a training perspective, um, you know, the, the dog selectiveness and how you see that playing out in dog parks where, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes maybe it doesn't. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, because you're right, there's dogs that love every dog in the world, love every person in the world, and then there's dogs that are selective about uh, who they want to interact with. And that sort of follows the, the, the age continuum because, uh, for example, my, my uh, female Vishala many years ago loved the dog park, loved every day. If there was an altercation going on, she would go away. Uh, but around two years old, she became more selective about who she wanted to interact with. And um, when she started growling or, uh, you know, basically wasn't having a good time, growling meaning get away, back away, I'm not comfortable, um, I decided like Karen did with her dog that it was time to stop going to the dog park. And I think one of the biggest issues that we have sometimes is the desire and need to run people to run their dogs and get that energy out. Some people are not advocating for their dog and they're not focusing on their dog's emotional state in the dog park. So they bring a dog in that's been pent up all day in the house while they've been at work. They bring them to the dog park. And next thing you know, there's um, chasing and mobbing and targeting and there, you know, what we call the red alert behaviors uh, by that dog bullying um, because that dog really either is just too over threshold and over aroused uh, to be a good mix in the dog park or maybe he hasn't been well socialized as a, as a puppy but no matter how much you well socialize a puppy when they hit that adult brain things start to change emotionally for them 
And um, what I, I equate it to a, a tot lot. You know, tot lot is, you know, three, four, five, six-year-old toddlers, kids running around. Uh, and, and they pretty much love everybody. You know, they're, they're pretty much getting along. But if they have a spat, the good news is they don't have sharp teeth. And they don't usually bite each other. Um, but the tot lot isn't a place where 12-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 20-year-olds are running around intermixed with three-year-olds. And then at the same time, when those children that are having a great time with all these other kids become teenagers, become adults, suddenly they are more selective about who they want to interact with. Now, they don't fight them, usually, although some people do. But that adult, that, that adolescent brain, the adult brain kicks in, and suddenly they are be, becoming more dog selective. And the problem with that behavior or that emotional state and a dog park with, with basically no rules of who's coming in and out and, and how many, what the volume of dogs in, is in the dog park and what is the emotional state of the other dogs in the dog park, it could be a recipe for disaster at that point because they, they don't have a choice. There's too many dogs interacting and not always in a good way. So that's that's my thing. I, I think that uh, you're right. There's a continuum and some dogs can thrive in a dog park and become more friendly. Um, but what, I, what I'm totally against is people that bring in aggressive dogs that have obvious aggression issues. And they're like, I just want to socialize my dog. And it's like, yeah, but your dog's ready to kill somebody. That's not good. Also, size. Uh, I fought hard for the, the newest park over there by Swings Coffee um, that was donated by a developer when it was supposed to be in Potomac Yard and be three acres. And now it's over next to Swing Coffee on Monroe. And it's not even a quarter of an acre, I don't think. Uh, maybe a third of an acre. But they were just going to have that be another dog park. And I, and, and I spoke up and said, we need a small dog area, fenced in by itself because we have had small dogs in Simpson dog park get attacked and we've had small dogs in Simpson dog park get killed by bigger, aggressive, um, high, high prey drive uh, types of dogs. So I think having those kind of options for the dog in terms of, you know, enough room to, to run around, uh, not, not trying to interact with uh, 20, 30 dogs of different temperaments, and having an area for small dogs and puppies. Puppies should never be taken to a dog park, uh, obviously, until they get their rabies shot. But also, even a six-month-old puppy is going to get bullied. I know my, my puppy did. I made the mistake. I, I took my uh, Kiefer boy. I took him there one time, and, and he got bullied. And I, and I realized he was too young for this interaction. So to have an area in a park that is dedicated for small dogs and puppies is really, I think, one of the criteria that should be included in any dog park that's being built. Sandy, it sounds like a lot of the, uh, I mean, we're kind of, you know, going into the negatives around a dog park, but um, it sounds like the negatives surrounding a dog park, I mean, it's really owner error, right? That owners aren't really knowing their dogs or um, or watching their dogs. I mean, I know when, um, again, Boomer, perfect in every way, right? Social, he's the life of the party. I always say that Boomer's the straw that stirs the drink. But <laughs> uh, Poppy's breeder, Christina, told me something 
that I'll never forget. And she said, Poppy will let you know what she likes. And we were talking about it in the context of dog sports, you know, agility or rally or some of the other things. But I realized as she was turning one, Poppy did not like the dog park. I mean, to the point now where Poppy is three years old, we walk by the dog park every day and there's no pole to go in. Like she doesn't even make eye contact with the dogs in the park. She could care less. So it was really watching her. And Sandy, you were the one that um, after she had her first altercation in the dog park, when I described it to you that she just felt she felt suffocated by having too many dogs on her at one time and she lashed out and we realized this is not the thing for poppy poppy don't like that she did not like that it might be the thing for boomer and it might be the thing for karen because i have just like my dogs i've got dog park friends and anybody who goes to a dog park it's very social for the humans i mean we'd have happy hour there We'd have coffee and donuts there as, you know, weird as that sounds, but you know, I had my dog park friends too, but I had to make the decision for Poppy, you know, this wasn't really the thing for her, but I think a lot of owners still want to put that round peg in a square hole and make the dog park work because it is easier than walking them for an hour. Yeah. And, and, uh, on that note, it's also easier than training and, um, uh, providing mental stimulation and physical exercise with the human, with the other end of the leash, right? Um, and that's the other thing. When when dogs are running around in dog parks, when they come back to the owner, they should be praised, rewarded for checking in. And um, and, and people don't necessarily know that. And, and, you know, I think every dog park should have a key card system. And I proposed that to the city years ago. Um, where, where basically, before you go to a dog park in Alexandria, you'd have to take a dog park 101 etiquette behavior workshop, like a two-hour workshop on dog body Good language. Good luck with that, Sandy. <laughs> no. I even offered to apply for a grant by the, by the National Parks Association. But maybe one day. Well, you know what's interesting is that I am familiar with some dog parks, including the Congressional Cemetery in Washington, D.C., where you have to actually pay to be a member. And I'm not necessarily endorsing or opposing that idea, but I will say that my experience is that owners who have to pay to be a member, at least in this particular case, do seem to be a little bit more responsible and they follow the rules because, you know, they pay a fee, they have a tag that the dog wears that they're a member. And for whatever reason, that brings a little bit more accountability. At least it seems to me that that's the case. I think it's a great idea, you know, knowing who's coming in, who's going out every time there's a dog, bite, not every time, but a lot of times that there's a dog bite, the, the dog that bit is the owner leaves with the dog. And they, they don't exchange information. And here's this person with a dog with an injury. They don't know anything about the other dog's um, medical record. And, um, and of course, the person whose dog did the biting uh, isn't, be, isn't being held accountable. But if you could go, if you could pull a report as to what dogs were in there at what time, uh, breed type and that, I think, I think um, that, that in and of itself would make people a little bit more responsible. Like you said, being a member And there's ways to do it, but so far uh, it's sort of fallen on deaf ears. The other thing, Sandy, that you mentioned that was interesting 
about dogs needing to be rewarded for checking in. I think one of the challenges I have faced in dog parks, at least with my dog, is that it's really not particularly responsible to bring treats into a dog park because even dogs that haven't previously exhibited resource guarding in a new environment with new dogs and new people perhaps may exhibit that. And, you know, for a dog like mine, she's trained to check in with treats. Um, so that's, that's definitely been a challenge for us, um, but certainly something that I think there are very important reasons for, you know, that recommendation not to bring treats into the park. Well, there's a way to do it responsibly. Um, but I agree that, that uh, even a praise, a recognition, a pat on the back, you know, is, is better than no recognition that your dog has checked in with you. Um, I would always bring just treats in my pockets, like lower value stuff that I wouldn't have a swarm of dogs around a treat bag necessarily. Because uh, I do want to reward my dog. Uh, you know, food is a dog's biggest motivator. So if there's a way to reward with food, of course, it's helpful. But I agree. Um, you don't want, a, a, you know, 20 dogs surrounding you, uh, you know, resource guarding you or your food bag uh, because um, because you're standing there in the dog park with um, pieces of steak. <laughs> so, Sandy, what's um, what's a good amount of time to be in a dog park? I mean, I I'll admit it that with Poppy, you know, I would keep her there too long thinking that she was just like Boomer. You know, it took me a good year to realize that they were different dogs. You know, right. I thought they're Aussies, so she's going to want to run like him. What are, you know, how do you acclimate your dog to the park and what's a good rule of thumb on length? Well, I do think that dogs get highly aroused in the dog park. Uh, maybe not dogs that are just sniffing around or, or staying close to their owners. Uh, maybe that happens a little bit. But dogs that are running and body slamming and barking and, you know, basically going over threshold in their play is too much. I, I, I advocate for um, taking breaks, you know, ha- having your dog in there for maybe 10, 15 minutes, which is might not seem like a long time. But to the dog, having that high arousal for 10 or 15 minutes um, can be enough. And then you could either take them out. I think I think it's best to take them out. It's hard to a dog that wants to go, 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 um, try to put them on leash and sit on a bench, uh, probably not, not uh, very helpful, but, you know, just taking your dog out and maybe going for a walk around, around the park and then coming back and going back in for another 15 minutes or so, I think is, is more responsible. But, you know, for all of us that have used dog parks, uh, we probably didn't do that. We probably are in there for an hour. Uh, Some people, maybe more. Um, The problem with dogs, extended stay in dog parks is they have a hard time um, modulating their own arousal. And so once their arousal is very high, that's when the trouble starts. That's when they start to get a little grouchy or they start uh, maybe pinning a dog down or rolling a dog. Um, That's all part of, um, you know, what we call the the red alert behaviors, uh, which was coined by Sue Sternberg, who's a dog park expert, I would say, um, who does not advocate dog parks at all. But if you go on Google and Google Sue Sternberg dog parks, you will pull up hundreds and hundreds of videos that she has taken, maybe thousands of videos all around the world 
of dogs in dog interactions in dog parks and people interactions in dog parks too. And then you can see what we're talking about when we talk about red alert behaviors. People maybe don't know, no, don't notice it. They're talking, they're having their latte um, with their friends and they don't notice that we call group chase when more than two dogs are chasing each other. That can be a red alert behavior uh, because what we're not seeing is that the dog that's being chased may not actually be having a good time. May look like they're having a good time because they're panting and they're running, but uh, you know, dog parks have very little places to hide. And that's when you get the dog that uh, tail is tucked. Uh, maybe they're, they run and they lay under the bench or they come back to the people and now they're jumping on the people. Jumping on the people can be actually, a, it might not be a sign of an ill-mannered dog. It could actually, actually be a sign of get me the heck out of here. And nobody's listening to them. They're going around, but jumping on this person, that person. Help, take me out of here. And like, well, we're not done with our latte. We're, we're, go, go play. So that's, um, you know, tail tucked uh, between, under between the legs, um, pinning one or more dogs on top of another dog, um, not letting them up. Uh, what you want to see is balance where, where uh, dogs are, maybe there's a dog, you know, acting tough with the other dog and then they, they, they change roles. So you want to see role reversal. Uh, in the dog park where they're um, or anywhere, any kind of play. We, and we make sure that with our, pup, our puppy kindergarten play sessions where we don't let more than two puppies playing at a time. And when we see any kind of high arousal kicking in or a uh, tail tuck, any, any behavior that looks like it's heading in the wrong direction, we give them breaks. Maybe we change who they're playing with. Maybe we give them some enrichment to do instead of the play. Um, you've seen, I'm sure, where dogs get knocked over, flipped over. That's called rolling. Uh, right. It happens a lot. And it can be very injurious to the dog that gets rolled. It's, it's it, uh, the velocity and speed at which the dog and G-force that the other dog is coming at the dog with can be, um, can be very dangerous. Um, yelping, you know, hearing dogs uh, frightened and that when a dog is frightened in a dog park, it could trigger other dogs' emotional states. Like, oh, what's going on? Oh my God, now we got to be worried. And um, so that's those are the things that I would say we have to be looking for. But the average person doesn't see those things. They don't know dog body language. All they, you have an altercation, and one and the person says, "But they were playing. They were just playing. Their tails were wagging. They must have been happy." Well, tails wag for lots of different reasons the position of the tail, how high the tail is, which way it's wagging, uh, what, what the rest of the body's doing can indicate whether it's a happy wag or an unhappy wag. But people don't see that. They just see that their tails were wagging. So they must be having a good time. You know, Sandy, that's a really, really good point about the, um, the big dog chase. I, Boomer loves to be chased. And, you know, in, in his heyday, he would get everybody going, right? But I could see the joy on Boomer's face because he would look back, he'd slow down and then take off again to make sure that all the dogs were following him, right? But I've also seen the big chase in the dog park where it is maybe a little dog or a scared dog. And what do they do? They dive under the benches in the dog park. Right. And then we all have to pull the dogs off of that poor little dog 
that is clearly trying to get away. You're right. And yeah, I would say Aussies and Border Collies enjoyed the chase a lot more than other dogs. Yep. And Boomer was very fortunate that he could run really fast. Very and, fast. And maybe the group in the dog park at the time that was chasing him uh, meant no harm. You know, right. they, they were all a good, a good um, a mix of dogs. Um, but I, I have seen it over and over again in my years in dog parks and in videos, Sue Sternberg videos, where it's like, oh, my God. And the people are just standing around talking. They, they just don't see it. And kids, let's talk about bringing little toddlers into a dog park barefooted i've seen that um there's a rules every dog park has written rules but nobody looks at them nobody cares about them and um and i think having the mix of having a three-year-old running around a dog park with 70 80 pound dogs 50 pound dogs doesn't matter what size um i've seen i've seen kids get bit in a dog park i've seen where kids are reaching out for the dogs and you know what people who who bring the kids in like that, what they're saying is it's a public space. I can bring my child here if I want. And I'm just thinking, well, actually dogs are not permitted in tot, in tot lots. I don't see the difference. If dogs aren't permitted in tot lots because of the danger, why would you bring toddlers into a dog park? A lot of dogs that aren't good with kids and the dog park is their place to play. You know, we live in a, in a very, kid populated neighborhood. I mean, it's something that I know back when we were going to the dog park, uh, there were constant battles between dog owners and, and parents because people felt like the dog park was for the dog, not for the kid. You know, what's interesting is of all the dog parks in Washington, D.C. that I have visited, that is not really a problem that I've come across as much. You know, people do not bring kids into dog parks. I think we do have a situation in which anytime a new dog park is being proposed, there is a massive divide in the community where some people feel like with limited green space in a city, you shouldn't siphon anything off for dogs. And then I do think that gets into an interesting conversation of, to Karen's point and Sandy, your points as well, it's not just about the dogs. Um, Right. Hopefully we get to enjoy the social opportunity with other humans in a manner that doesn't distract us from supervising our dogs, but it is a social opportunity for people as well. And in my neighborhood, the neighbors that I am closest friends with and who have helped me in my adult human life when my car doesn't start or I need an egg or whatever the reason is, you know, we know each other because of our dogs and we're friends and neighbors because of our dogs. Yeah. And that's a good point because, um, one, one of the good things about dog parks, it does bring neighbors together. Um, but come into a Delray dog park or one in Ale- Alexandria, and I'm, I'm sure on one of your trips, you would see people coming in with baby carriages, strollers, and, and toddlers. When I, when I saw this, I'd say six-year-old, five- or six-year-old girl running around in the dog park without her shoes on, it was sickening because... No. Dog <laughs> parks are nasty. <laughs> dogs, dogs do a lot of nasty stuff in dog parks. So Sandy, how can dog park enthusiasts, dog park users work together to ensure that dog parks are safe for everyone? Well, I think it starts at um, the concept, the plan for a dog park. Um, if you're talking about a new dog park, it's getting you know dog people 
together to discuss amenities. Um, how many years, Karen, did we fight for lights? I wrote an SUP, a special use permit to get lights in Simpson Park. I, I believe it was six, eight years after that we finally got those lights. They raised over half of the funds for it. Yeah. So I think um, you've got to get the buy-in from wh- whoever owns the land, because without that, their their idea of a dog park and the user's idea of a dog park is going to be very different. But there should be you know some way to manage the, the number of dogs coming in. There should be a place for smaller dogs and puppies, younger dogs. And there should be education and training for the for the humans. I think that's that's critical because otherwise you've got the, nothing more than the wild wild west in a dog park. And um, and and it and it's sad because uh, the concept going back to the concept of dog parks it was a utopia, uh, but it hasn't always turned out that way. And I think some community some communities have done better uh, with the layouts, um, with the amenities. And overseeing it and maintaining it is one of the biggest issues, I think, because um, we used to have poop bags and 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 uh, like every dog park had a uh, one of those boxes, and um, and we they were always filled. It was my responsibility in the morning to fill them if they were empty, and the city provided the bags. So we had a, a metal container outside the dog park, and um, and it was great. And then one budget year the city decided it couldn't afford the bags anymore. And I think it was something like $7,000 that they took out of the budget and applied it somewhere else for those bags. And so now it's up to the users to come in with dog, with bags. And um, most people do, I think, but some use it as an excuse for not picking up. There's no bags in here. So I think that's a problem. Uh, um, the amenities, the the layout of the dog park, the um, having that out, always having that entrance be a, an airlock system so that if a dog escapes, there's an airlock system that they don't get out completely and maintenance of those gates. What are your thoughts, Elizabeth? Well, I, that's a tough question for me because I think at the end of the day, our first responsibility when it comes to dog parks and really just with any activities that we participate in with our dogs is to our dog. Um, and that means that if you don't get to enjoy your latte or whatever it is that your social opportunity is at the dog park because your dog is not enjoying itself and you you know need to follow their cues, um, you have to leave. And I just don't know. I, there there does seem to be some differences of opinion with respect to you know what the responsibility is and and to who. And I don't know how we change that, you know, culturally and as kind of a general understanding amongst dog owners, because just like there's a a continuum of dogs, there's a massive continuum of people too. Um, And, you know, personalities differ and priorities differ. So I don't know, it's it's a tough question. Um, But the not picking up after your dog thing, that really is beyond me. I don't understand why, (laughs) why or how anybody who's going to a dog park would ever think that's okay for any reason. I mean, I was out of bags once and had to go home and get bags and literally came back to pick up after my dog because I just, (laughs) it's just beyond me. That is my biggest pet peeve, I think. Well, I think that, um, I think for the most part, people that utilize dog parks, utilize them in a positive way. Um, I, I do believe that. And I do believe that, that the majority of dog owners are responsible. Um, I would say that most dog parks that I have visited, the 
owners kind of police the area. So if there is a dog that is consistently aggressive, or if there's an owner that's on his or her phone and not picking up the poop, owners will call them out on it. And I would contend that that's how um, you keep dog parks safe is that owners have to band together and just, you know, call others out. If you're not picking it up, if your dog's aggressive, don't spoil it for everyone. Because I do think that there's a need for dog parks. Um, I do think that there are dogs in areas like ours that have a great time running and playing. I mean, I think, you know, for probably nine of Boomer's 13 years, he was a dog park enthusiast. You know, he's aged out of it now. And in Poppy's situation, certainly, you know, cut his time short, but he seems fine with that. But I do really think it falls on the owners. And Sandy, you know, back to what you were saying about the city, you know, it was really the dog park owners that continue to insist that the city take care of that park and the city um, fulfill the promises that it made regarding that park. So we have, we have a lot at stake there. Well, and, and, you know, we're not the only, we may have been the only dog park at the beginning, but, um, but I helped to work to, um, to, to create, uh, I don't know, what was it? Four or five or six more fenced in dog park areas in the city. And so they all need attention, you know, but that's, that's the thing. It's um, uh, they can, uh, you know, put money towards other park amenities, but it seems like the dog park, the dog parks tend to take a back seat and it, it, and you're right. If it wasn't for the users and the, the, the residents in the, in the city that use the dog park, um, albeit a small group, you know, that, that, um, that really came, came, came through and, um, and was willing, willing to help, um, clean the dog park. Uh, you know, we had the city drop off gravel and we, we, we're the ones that, pushed it around with brooms and, and rakes and the city did a couple of times come in and, and with a backhoe and help us with that. But I don't think they they've been doing that in years. So I do think um, having a, a clean and, and a nice atmosphere for people and their dogs uh, for any dog park, I think is, is important. And then what you said, Elizabeth, I mean, just um, advocating for your dog, knowing whether they're having a good time, a bad time. And, um, and also having uh, people in the dog park that are really um, overseeing what's going on uh, with their dog and also calling out other people that uh, whether it's the dog is being too aggressive uh, towards other dogs or the dog has their tail tucked and is, is saying, please get me out of here. But you got to be careful because not everybody wants to be told that their dog's aggressive. We have deniers that use the dog park. Well, and then there's people like, like me, and I don't know, Karen, if you've experienced this, but my dog is very vocal. She's a very vocal player. And sometimes people do mistake that for aggression. But if anybody ever, you know, says that they're uncomfortable with the way that my dog is behaving, I think as a responsible dog owner, my responsibility is not to argue with them. It's to, to leave. Um, and that's totally fine with me. You know, we, go in and our number is about five for my dog. I would say that's about her threshold. And if more dogs come in, even if she doesn't get barky, um, you know, we leave just so that we can protect her and protect everybody really. Um, But I think one of the ways in which we can 
remain safe in dog parks is, you know, let's check our ego at the door and let's respect people's opinions and views. And we're not all going to have the same ones. And, um, you know, I think if we can accept that, then we can all live harmoniously and our dogs can live harmoniously, hopefully. And, and to Karen's point, um, have faith in the value of dog parks and the fact that, you know, most of us at least try to be as responsible as we possibly can. Elizabeth, that was beautifully said. Thank you so much. And what a wonderful way to wrap up our conversation today. I could talk with the two of you for hours. Um, Sandy, I hope you'll come back. Of course. And, uh, we, we, have, we, have so many, um, we have so many topics that we could talk to you about. And if our listeners want more on dog parks, the Association of Professional Dog Trainers has some great resources. I'll include those in the episode notes. Elizabeth, you have been a delightful, special guest. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you for your insight. And thank you for just being part of this conversation. Before we go, hold on. I want to give a shout out to Flurry Fleur. Hi, Flurry. (laughs) Good girl. this is an Aussie group. Yes, an Aussie group. I'm taking care of Flurry for a few more days. Uh, So for our listeners, we hope you enjoy the podcast. If you do, we would appreciate a comment or a review. Um, Subscribe and download so you never miss an episode. 